0: Good morning, welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campuses join us in Appleton. Steven's Point, people around the world on the internet and those who watch us on television. Let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, The resurrection of the body, the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us here this morning. Trust your experience at your campuses is going very well today. Big hubbub over at our Stevens Point campus this morning as they uh, have a great day planned. And five people are getting baptized there today. That's pretty cool. Give them a hand. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Staying busy. Uh, this morning, I want to share with you uh, just a very simple concept of what it means to truly know God in your life. And we'll do our best to try and communicate it. Though communication, if you have noticed, is not nearly as simple as one would think. Have you ever tried think you were saying one thing and somebody heard something else? I mean, it happens all the time. <laughs> you should do what I do for a living. I say one thing because he said, I did? <laughs> uh, there's this cool... Uh, thing going around the internet that's one of these church signs that I thought was very cool. It's uh, St. Martha's Episcopal Church says, we love hurting people. I thought, oh, that's nice that they love people who are in pain. And I looked together, and we love hurting people? Uh, so Here's the church that enjoys hurting people. And uh, it's just very funny. It just depends on how you, how you read it. So uh, we're going to try our best to try and explain the very simple message of what all of this is about that we've been celebrating at our various campuses this morning, singing and worshiping God and clapping, all the stuff that we do to, uh, to uh, just give our thanks to God. You say, Gee, I, I don't think it's appropriate to be, to be clapping and singing and celebrating in, in church. Really? Because there's gonna be a whole bunch of people tonight at the Green and Gold Cathedral. And those very same people we we'll sit quiet in church and be going, yeah, go, no! you know, just, just depends on what makes you excited. I will be there, however. It'll be a wonderful thing. I've got <laughs> seats in the nosebleed section back in the middle of nowhere. Hopefully I don't fall. Ah! Anyway, it should be fun. I was on an airplane last night c- coming, you know, from Minneapolis to here, and, and I saw on the thing, it was like this huge plane. Huge planes never come to Green Bay, you know, the ones we usually fly, you know, barely have wings, you know, <clears throat> what is it, you know, three across and all this kind of stuff, and, and then it dawned on me, all the people coming in for the game, so like all these Seahawk people, which was quite painful, <clears throat> but the pilot was great, he goes, uh, we're getting ready to take off for Green Bay, the home of the 13-time world champions. <laughs> Seahawks got one, maybe? I don't know. Anyway, so it should be a fun game. Um, I want to talk to you. I want to read to you from the Gospel of John, and we're going to start at the third chapter. Those of you not very familiar with the Bible, uh, the Bible's broken up into chapters and verses. They weren't written that way. It didn't even happen until much later, actually. It was the uh, 13th century before somebody came along and broke it up into chapters, and it wasn't until the 16th century that some guy sat and, you know, ascribed verses so that you could just go. So it's just be easier to find. It Doesn't mean anything. It just and actually sometimes it's problematic because sometimes they put chapters in the middle of a thought and it's, it doesn't really belong there. And uh, you know, and, and some verses they break up in the middle of thought. It's, it's a little odd, but it does help us find stuff. Doesn't matter. It wasn't written that way. It wasn't like a chapter two. You know, they, they're just telling what happened. So anyway, we're going to find this in John, the third chapter. Now, there was a Pharisee. Now, a Pharisee was one of the religious leaders of the day. This is the Jewish culture that Jesus was born into. And they were very, 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 very strict. You think you grew up in a strict church. Ha! You don't know Jack. These people, they had rules about everything under the sun. And they were extraordinarily Strict, And this was one of the leaders of that group of Pharisees. He was a man named Nicodemus. And he was a member, it says in verse 1, push the button, there we go, uh, of the Jewish ruling council. So he was an uppity up. And uh, he came to Jesus at night. Now this is probably because he didn't want to be seen. <laughs> if you only have friends who meet you at night through the back door, they're not that comfortable with you. And uh, so this is what he comes. He comes at night, and he says to Jesus in verse two, he says, "Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him." Now we don't know how sincere he is. Uh, you know, he must have been really trying to understand. One thing's for sure: by and large, the Pharisees did not believe in Jesus. Uh, they were stunned at the way he talked. Because he knew all this stuff, and he had never gone through any of their established schools. And, you know, they were kind of, you know, very hoity and looking down their bony ecclesiastical noses. You know, you didn't come through our school. There's people who still think like that today, you know. If you haven't gone to the proper university, oh, you're an idiot, you know. And they get all hoity-toity and just, ah. Anyway, so this guy was like that. You know, this whole culture was like that. And they were stunned that Jesus knew all this stuff. How could you possibly know this stuff when you haven't been through the proper universities? The other thing, too, is they saw him do all these miracles. You would think that in and of itself would convince people. Now, it did convince people that had open hearts. But make no mistake, just miracles doesn't make people believe. If it did, they would have all been believers. They saw Jesus do incredible things. You and I would love to see the kind of stuff that these guys saw, but it had no impact on them at all. How is that possible? I don't know, but it's true. It's like the children of Israel. They come through out of Egypt and all these miracles and stuff, and they still didn't believe. If miracles in and of itself would do it, well, then you'd see a lot more miracles. And I still believe God does miracles in people's lives, so they make no mistake about it. But the big flashy, you know, flash in the sky, I'm Jesus and believe in me is not going to make anybody believe in him. Uh, And that was the case here. In fact, uh, some of the most dramatic miracles only made them angrier at Jesus. One of the greatest miracles he did was uh, there's this guy named Lazarus who had gotten sick and he was dead, and Jesus went to raise him from the dead. Now, he had raised many people from the dead, but you know, it wasn't like they were dead that long. You know what I'm saying? People don't believe stuff. They got hard hearts, you know. If <laughs> we'll pick on somebody, Bob. <laughs> if if Bob drops over dead suddenly, and and some of you medical people come over and you say, Oh, he's dead. He's totally dead. He's, oh, my goodness, he's completely and totally dead. And then I come, and we pray for him, and all of a sudden, oh, he wakes up. You're going to think, oh, he just had gas, right? You're not going to believe. You would, I know you wouldn't believe. Don't lie to me. You know that. You say, oh, yeah, he probably just fainted. You know, it wouldn't make any difference, you know. But this case, this is like a big deal because this Lazarus guy had been dead for three days. He's mostly dead at this point, completely dead, dead, dead. And, uh... So, uh, and they had him all sealed up in the tomb, and Jesus comes, and the first thing is, uh, Lazarus' sisters start yelling at Jesus, where were you, where were you, we were waiting for you, if you had been here, you wouldn't have gotten sick, so they're, you know, people like to point fingers at God all too quickly, and Jesus finally said, okay, roll away the stone. Well, they were like, what? And they said, "He's stinks by now, okay? It wasn't like they had him on ice, you know what I'm saying? And they said, you know, this reeks, man. You don't want to be rolling away the stone. He said, roll away the stone. And, of course, everybody's watching. All the religious leaders are watching. What is he going to do? I mean, there's, there's no way. There's no way. And Jesus calls out, Lazarus, come forth. And the Bible says, Lazarus comes hopping out of the tomb. If I were there, dude, I'm dropping. <laughs> You're raising me from the dead. <laughs> wow. That would be really creepy. But everybody's like, Wow. So this guy's alive again. And the Bible says these religious leaders who saw it, their response was, we got to kill Jesus. I mean, seeing something like that, you would think, oh, okay, this is the guy. He's got to be the Messiah, right? But no, the complete opposite. They just harden their hearts all the more. So miracles in and of themselves won't change anybody's minds. People have very, very stubborn hearts. So anyway, uh, Nicodemus comes, he says, listen, you know, you know what, what is this? What are you, what are you doing? This is, he's, he's trying to understand this stuff. And Jesus just cuts right to the chase in verse 3. It says, Jesus replied to him, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Now, this is very confusing to Nicodemus. No one has ever used that kind of terminology before that we know of in history. And he's trying, he wants to know more about God. And Jesus starts talking to be born again. He goes, what, what are you talking about? Because he really comes. Remember, these people were really strict religious people. And they had all their rules. And you got to do this. And you got to do that. And if you don't do this, then you got to do that. And all this stuff like that. And Jesus says, just cuts right cut to the chase and says, you need to be born again. And uh, Nicodemus asks the question. He says, well, how can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked, surely, I mean, he's very confused. I don't think he's being a smart aleck here. He's just trying to understand. He says, surely, they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb and be born, which is really gross, okay? So, uh, and, uh, you know, (laughs) Jesus is probably thinking, duh, okay. He says, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God, unless they're born of water and the spirit. In other words, physically and spiritually, he goes on to explain, flesh gives birth to flesh, that the spirit gives birth to spirit. So why he mention water? Because a woman's water breaks when she gives birth. Okay, that's what he's talking about. All right, and Nicodemus says in verse nine, he says, how can these things be? How is this even possible? Again, this is a guy who doesn't understand. He has his entire experience based on Religious rules, religious laws, follow the rules. You gotta follow the rules. Da da da, da 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 da. And Jesus is talking about, you know what really needs to happen is you need to be changed from the inside. And that's really the message of Christianity: that we are changed from the inside out. What religion does, and even some Christian denominations and certainly religions around the world, they try to do everything from the outside in. You know, if you do this, and if you do that, and you say these prayers, and you do this incantation, and you go through this, and you make this pilgrimage, and you give this money, and all this, hopefully, 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 you know, this will change me on the inside, and I'll have an experience with God, but that's not how it works. True religion, truly experience of God starts from the inside and works its way out. We still need to do good things, I get it. But it's we don't do good things to change ourselves. We do good things because we've been changed, and there's a big, big, big difference. And Nicodemus doesn't get it. He says, how, "How can these things be?" And Jesus said, "You're you are Israel's teacher, and you don't understand these things." And he truly didn't, as religious and as devout as this man was, and far beyond any of us listening right now. I promise you, if you're in Appleton, Stevens Point, on the wherever you're watching. Here in Green Bay, there's nobody that was as committed to religious discipline as these people. It was off the charts, but yet they were missing it. The whole thing, wow. Because it it became about the religious expressions and the rules and the days you worship, the days you don't worship, the days you work, the days you don't work, the food you eat, the food you can't eat. I mean, they were just into it up to their eyeballs. Uh, their intentions were well, but they were just missing the point. We need to be changed from the inside. So Jesus starts talking about being born again. Now, what does that mean, being born again? Now, the Bible tells us that we are made, human beings, in the image of God. We, are, we follow the template of what God is like. We know that God is three, but yet one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We call it the Holy Trinity. Uh, one God but three different expressions. Oh, how's that possible? Are you kidding? There's all kinds of stuff. You have analogies like that. The simplest one is just water. You got water, it's made of of what? H2O, nothing else. It is H2O, it's just water. Now, soon in the state of Wisconsin, it will turn into rock, all right? Very cold rock. It's called ice because when it hits a certain temperature it will solidify and become hard and H2O is then transferred into H2O it's still just H2O it doesn't it's fundamentally it's still exactly the same and if it gets really 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 hot which doesn't happen around here thank god I was <laughs> I was just in New Orleans yesterday man talking about the doorstep to hell man hot Like you and and humid, just you can't breathe, (gasps) and everything steams. There's everything steams. The water now turns into steam, which now turns the H2O into H2O. It, It doesn't change, it just looks different. And God is like that just one God. We are made in the image of this triune God. We are triune beings, actually, we have a body. That which you see before you in all its glory. <laughs> you all saw yourselves in the mirror this morning. Some of it was a little shocking experience, but you know, you're able to fix things as much as you could. And uh, that's your body. Then we have our soul, which our mind, our intellect, our emotions, our consciousness, if you will. Uh, and then we have our spirit, the spiritual part of us, the part where God wants to rest and reside and live in. Now, we were made spirit, body, and soul. But the problem was, in the beginning, Adam and Eve rebelled against God. God said, look, you can do all this, but you just can't touch the one thing. You can't do this this, this one thing. And they did it anyway because they were convinced they knew better than God, which people still think today they're smarter than God and get in all kinds of trouble. So they rebelled against God. And God warned them, if you do that, the day you do this, you will die. Well, they did it, but they didn't die that day. It took actually Many years later before they die, and because of sin, we all eventually get old and die. But they did die that day, something that's not so obvious. They died spiritually. That spiritual part of them just died, and now they were spiritually dead. And every human being ever born since Adam and Eve is born spiritually dead. We are still born, everybody. The body is there, the mental part, for most, is there. But the spirit, it's there, but it's stillborn. It's not, and every single person that has lived on this planet, if they are honest, they will admit, they can sense something is not right. Something is missing. Something is disconnected. Now, many people have correctly assumed that what is missing is God in their lives, and they have tried by their own religions. Uh, you know, and mankind has come up with all kinds of different versions of religion, and all of it is a desperate attempt to try to connect with God and to fix this. Something's something's wrong, and they try to meditate their way into it, and they try to practice their way into it, and discipline their way into it, and go on pilgrimages and chance and all the different versions of religion that is on the face of the earth today, even a lot of Christian versions of uh, religion, is this desperate attempt to try and fix what is wrong, but it doesn't fix it. They do it with great fervor and great dedication. They think, what I need to do is do it harder and more intense and more completely. You know, that's why you have people around the world who literally will blow themselves up into pieces. In a fervent attempt to try and experience God, they think they're obeying God when they're doing this, and uh, and out of pure desperation, they have, feel such a hole in them. This this has got to be it. This has got to be it. And they get such in a, in a fit about it, and will do very crazy things. Uh, other people think, you know, that that's not it. I, I just just need to be happier. I just need to party more. You know, we just. Partay and have fun again. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. I like to partay. I will be partaying tonight at the Green and Gold Cathedral with lots of people and having a wonderful time. I like to have, but at the end of the day, that doesn't fix the problem. Having as much fun and laughing as hard as you can and watching the neatest movies and keep yourselves diverted by all these diversions uh, may be helpful, certainly, for many is very helpful, but it still doesn't fix the problem. Something is still wrong. Desperately, desperately wrong. Others are convinced that if they just had enough money, I need money, I need more money. Money, 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 money. They think they give their whole heart and life and they try and get as much money. The problem is, people who chase that place become obsessed with money. And they just, everything's about money. And can't hardly breathe because they're so tight they squeak. It comes time for the offering. It's like they're giving birth. <laughs> they go into Lamaze breathing, you know, just. They go, so tight to their money. I, I got to have money. I love my money. <laughs> And I think if they just get enough money, it will fix it. But it doesn't fix it. It still doesn't fix it. Now, most of us here aren't on that path because most of us aren't very good at making money. But some people, they're very good at it. <laughs> the good thing about being out is oh, not a problem for me. <laughs> I suck. Let's move on. So, then some people think, well, you know, if I, if I just, you know, you know, get myself doped up enough, you know, with drugs or alcohol or something, something, this, that'll fix it. That'll fix it. Well, people just get into this big time and they, and they think, they experience temporal moments of fixing it. But at the end of the day, it wears off and it's still not fixed. And something is desperately, desperately wrong. Others think relationships. If I can just find the right boy. <laughs> the right girl. Other people, they're married and they're miserable because they're convinced they shouldn't have married that idiot. They should have married the other idiot and everything would be better. <laughs> and, uh, and there's people who go from relationship to relationship to relationship their whole lives. And it still doesn't fix anything. And it still that spiritual part of them is still dead, dead in sin. And they need to find something to try and put a Band-Aid on as much as they can. But Jesus is teaching, look, the answer here is you need to be born again. That spiritual part of you needs to come to life. That's what he's talking about. And Nicodemus says, wow, that's incredible. And then Jesus gives Nicodemus an analogy that he would understand. He's a very devout Jewish man. And Jesus says this in verse 14. He says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Now, immediately, when he talked about Moses lifting up the snake, he knew what he was talking about because he's a very, very devout Jewish man. Many of you have no idea what he's talking about. I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. All right, So, In the Old Testament, they come out of, you know, uh, Egypt, you know, let my people go. So they come on out, and they're in the middle of nowhere, but God is taking care of them. And every day, the Bible says, manna from heaven is found on the ground. The sweet bread is like Dunkin' Donuts from Jesus, all right? And so every day, Dunkin' Donuts. This is awesome. We don't got to work. This is cool. This is beautiful. And they're going through the desert, and every day, there's more Dunkin' Donuts. I love this stuff. But they're like everybody else in life. At some point, you get bored with what you got. And then you start whining about it. Isn't there something new? A little bacon or something? Well, can't he bacon a Jewish. or something? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that really sucks. You get into a bacon. So. So they start whining. They start whining against God because they get tired. They go, I want something else. I want something else. I want something else. God is so irritated with these people. And then all of a sudden, these snakes show up, and they're poisonous snakes, very deadly snakes. And they're just all over the place, and they're biting these people, and people are dying. Well, suddenly, they became very religious. It's amazing when everybody starts dying, everybody wants God. So these guys finally shut up with their whining and stuff, and they come to God and they're asking, God, please save us from the snakes, save us from the snakes. They come to Moses, <laughs> Moses, pray for us. So Moses, poor Moses, he was up to here with these people, you know, but he comes to God and Look, I got a snake problem. <laughs> and what are we going to do? You know, these, these people are dying. We've got this, a big problem. And uh, and God says, Okay, this is what I want you to do. I want you to make a bronze snake and put it on a pole. I call it snake on the stick. And put a snake on a stick, stick it up, and every time someone gets bit, if they will come and they will look at that snake, they'll be healed. So that's what he does, and that's what happened, and the plague passes. Now, I'm sure there were people who thought, do what? Look at a snake on a stick? You've got to be serious. I mean, I get bit with a snake, I'm looking for a snake bite kit. I'm looking for something else to fix it. And that's what we do, right? Everybody's running around. They're trying to do their snake biking, trying to fix this problem on their own and on their own. They can't, and it doesn't work. Nothing works. And of course, those who didn't look, you know, they died. But those who got a clue came, looked up at the snake, and whenever they did, they were miraculously healed. Pretty cool. Now, what Jesus is saying, just like Moses lifted up that snake in the wilderness, I'm going to need to be lifted up. That whoever would look to me would receive New life, and then that's when Jesus says the following words, which is one of the most famous verses in in the Bible, John 3:16. Again, a lot of people don't know what <laughs> the numbers mean, but uh, you know, through the 80s and 90s in NFL, I don't know who these people were, but in every end zone when they're going to kick a f- field goal, there's always somebody holding up a sign, John 3:16. You remember that? You know, even in the video games, we have John three sixteen in them. You know, and of course, most people have, I don't even know what that means. Who's John? Uh, but uh, what it means is this: it's this verse in the Bible, and that's when Jesus says, "For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life." That is the key to look to Him. Now, that seems overly simplistic to people. Just like I'm sure some people who got bit with snakes said, there's no way I'm going to go chase down some snake on a stick. They weren't going to go look up and stuff, and they died. But there's people who just have a difficult time putting their faith in Jesus. He was the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. When he died on that cross, it changed everything. Everyone who would put their faith in him, looking up to him, would be born again. And it's a wonderful experience. It changes you. When you spiritually come alive, man, you know you came alive. Uh, you think, well, I don't need to do that. I'll go to church. I'm not a bad person. My neighbor, he's a terrible person, but I'm a nice person, you know. And, 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 but that's, that's not going to do you any good. A lot of people think, well, I'll just balance out the scales. You know, if I, if I just be a little bit better than I am bad... You know, then I'll get into heaven. But they're totally missing the point. First of all, they have no idea that the scale is actually like this. That's how bad your bad is. There's no way you can balance this out. And I know we like to compare ourselves to other people. I'm not as bad as the other guy. I'm not as bad as that person. I'm not as bad as that horrible person over there. Sometimes seeing really bad people kind of makes people feel good about themselves. But make no mistake. Your scale is like this, and there's nothing you... There's not enough little old ladies you can help across the street (laughs) that will ever balance that out. That's why you've never been born again. You really want to experience God? You need to look to Jesus. Put your trust in Jesus. And when you do that, new life comes into you. And the people who've all experienced this know exactly what I'm talking about. It is a life changer. It changes you. It's, that's what we're singing about in these services. That's why people are lit up and smiling and shaking hands. This isn't a drudgery. We're not here, you know. A lot of people go to church, it's like fire insurance, you know. Keep them out of hell. You know, pay the premium, you know, move on. Okay? But that that's not gonna do going to just going to church isn't gonna make you a Christian any more than sleeping in your garage is gonna turn you into a car. I hope you're not trying that, okay? So, I mean, just you, you've got to be born again. You've got to let God touch you. And if you will put your trust in him, he balances the scales. It's not because of what we do, it's because of what he did. And if you put your trust in him, you too can be born again. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the simple message of Christianity. Anybody can understand this. if They'll just open their hearts. I pray that your Holy Spirit will come speak to people. Open the eyes, Lord. Help us to understand what we need to do to let go and to let God, to put our hope and trust in you because you are what all of this is about. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you.